Hi, I'm Lanise Brothers, a registered nutritionist, women's health, hormone, and menstrual cycle coach, and the founder of Eat Love Move, a nutrition and well-being practice. This is the Period Story Podcast, where in each episode, I sit down with a guest to talk about their period story. We get behind some of the myths and misconceptions about periods and so much more. Now, on to today's guest. On today's episode, we have Angelica Mallon, the editor-in-chief of About Time magazine and the founder of About Time Academy. After a stint at a fashion and travel magazine, Angelica decided to pursue a career as an entrepreneur, craving the freedom and creative possibility of working for yourself. Angelica launched About Time magazine in March 2014, having spotted a gap in the market for a really well-curated personal lifestyle site dedicated to discovering everything it's about time you tried in London and beyond. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So this is a question I always start each episode with. So tell me about the story of your very first period. So my first period was when I was at school and um, I'm not sure exactly what age I was, but I remember being really shocked, really kind of appalled. And I was like, what is my body doing? Like, what is this? Being like quite horrified. It felt quite, I don't know, like quite violent in a way. Um, that was kind of my first real, real memory of it. Why were you so shocked and so horrified? I think I wasn't really prepared for what to expect. Um, that was probably the main thing. No one had really told me, yeah, like what, what to imagine. And that was probably why. And also I remember thinking that it wasn't the colour that I thought it was meant to be. I remember it not being like bright red and me being like, oh, there's something wrong with me because it was like a darker colour and thinking I was like broken or wrong. Some, yeah, some kind of shame in my mind that something had prepared me for it being bright red and it wasn't. So you were, you were shocked, you were horrified, you weren't prepared. So what did you do in that moment you, when you got your period? So, well, I did a classic, which is, I mean, I hate to say I'm 29, but it still happens. It catches me off guard and I shoved some toilet paper down there and hoped for the best. And I got to the end of the day. And then at the end of the day, I think my mum must have kept me from school. And I said, this is what's happened. And she said, okay. And we went and we bought a whole load of stuff and it was totally fine. But I was, I was poorly prepared for what you actually do when it happens. And I, I yeah, and I didn't use tampons for years, actually. I only used sanitary pads because I was kind of scared of them. And I didn't really know how to use them. When, when you told your mom, how did, how did she react? Oh, I remember being like, Mazel Tov, you're a woman. <laughs> she was delighted. <laughs> and I was like, I hate it, it's horrible, it's so messy. And I remember having really bad period pains. Like the first few years that I had periods, so my period pains were totally out of control. It was awful. So getting my period really signaled a horrible time of, of discomfort. And how did you learn about what, what was normal and what wasn't normal with regards to having a period? I don't have any strong re- recollection of an education in a formal sense at school about periods, to be honest. Um, it might have been that when I got my period, I was at a mixed prep school and it wasn't until I went to all girls school that I started to get any kind of good education around female hygiene about sex um so I think anything I gleaned was socially you know um I learned what was normal in a period and I learned how other people other women had their periods through school so it came out of conversations rather than top down from from any authority figures really and when you think about what what you and your friends were talking about at school if 
was there anything that you think that you think about now that like oh that was absolutely wrong or that was crazy that we thought that I think we were all just quite confused by what was normal I think there was quite a lot of panic and uncertainty in those years for me of like what was I normal was what was happening to my body normal so I remember kind of comparing how long my period was compared to other girls periods and things like that where I, I yeah was my flow normal um was it normal that I got cramps in the way I did all of that and also mood changes like I suppose you know hormonally your mood are very off as a teenager anyway but I wasn't sure what to expect and I think it has it is a bit of a roller coaster because it is so personal, it's so different to every woman. And we do have the sense of like, is what I'm experiencing normal? And I think that goes into adulthood because there's not enough conversation around it. And it's only for me really the last few years that this kind of period awareness and has happened. Um, but I was, I was kind of uneasy about myself because of it. Do you think that it had an impact on the way that you thought about your body? I think there was still for me, quite a lot of shame attached to it, actually. Um, I remember going, when I went to mixed school, I went to mixed school for sick form, having been at all girls school for years. And I went to a mixed school where they only let girls in at sick form. So the boys were kind of not emotionally ready. They're quite emotionally immature. And I remember feeling shame around my period. I remember it being like, a, almost like a curse word, someone saying, oh, you're on your period, you know? And it was like women's hormones were kind of used against them as, as a way to call them out as crazy. And there was, yeah, there was a lot of stigma attached to it. And I felt like it wasn't an environment where there was a real knowledge about female bodies and they, they were kind of used against them. I think girls were made to feel ashamed for, for what happened to their bodies. Where do you think that shame comes from? I think partly it's a, a lack of conversation, a lack of understanding. I don't, didn't get the sense that the boys that I went to school with ever had an education about the female body. So I think that's quite a big part. It's not only a, are women not educated about their bodies or young girls aren't, but men aren't either. Um, and I, I think, for me, like the real turning point was probably in my last long-term relationship where I was with someone for so long that I was very, very comfortable talking about my hormonal cycle and my period. And that was the first time really that I felt like I'd spoken to a man about it. And he actually, um, he said it whenever I was on my period, he'd say I was on chess because it was like Chessington because it was a world of adventures. <laughs> so he'd be like, oh, chess, chess is coming up. Um, yeah, but it was the first time I was able to kind of laugh about it with anyone and, and feel comfortable with like, this happens to my body and like, for a week of the month I feel really low and this is just how it is for me and like having those conversations and then I felt more comfortable having that conversation with lots of friends and I have some friends whose hormone circles are so bad that they like are self-employed or freelance because they don't want to work in an office because it affects them so much it's that extreme and I I only know that because I've been comfortable enough to actually speak about it with my friends now. So it's been a real journey for you going from this feeling a sense of shame and stigma to now being able to talk about it with friends and partners. Yeah, definitely. And, and with the work that I do, we, we host female empowerment festivals, um, which you spoke at the last one. And I think that was a huge thing that came out of it for me was that we were still not talking enough about women's health and the emotional impact of women's health and, and, and women's health in the workplace as well. And I think I think I felt like if I was going to host these festivals and I was going to fly the flag for female empowerment, I had to assess everything in all areas where we need progression. And, and actually women's health was a big one. So what do you think that we can do based on the conversations that you've had and the work that you're doing that to progress the conversation around women's health in the workplace? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is creating safe spaces where these things are discussed. I think a lot of the problem is like top-down leadership can be quite male-heavy. 
And the people that are making the decisions often aren't women. And so they don't connect. They don't understand. I had a friend I was talking to the other night and she works in a law firm. And she said that she tried to get her company to provide free tampons. It's a huge law firm. Her company to provide free tampons in the, in the lose. And it was shot down by sea level. They said, oh, it's an expense that we don't need. And um, it's not necessary. And I, half the half the people that work there are women and obviously it would be great and a great benefit um but that's a big problem is i think unless you have more women at the top the decisions aren't being made with women in mind um and then i think it it starts younger doesn't it i think that the conversations at a younger age about education what's normal just taking away so much of the shame is the secretive nature of it i just felt like i had to like hide that i was in my period and even now i sometimes feel uncomfortable saying it but I'm trying to because I want to get past that so if I'm with a friend I'll say oh I'm knackered because I'm on my period and I'll say that to a male friend and I just want to like get rid of that embarrassment around the whole thing do you think that you that sense of kind of secret secretiveness and shame that kind of still lingers for it is it around not really wanting to have those conversations with the men or being uncomfortable with having conversations with men about it I think I am a bit uncomfortable. I think there's an element that feels like weakness that is subconscious. I think by saying I'm having a bit of a bad work week because my periods just made me feel really down. I don't know. I think maybe there's a bit of me that feels a bit embarrassed by that because I'm this like badass entrepreneur and I want to like rule the world. But sometimes it just floors me and it's annoying. I also feel like there must be something chemical that makes you forget because I swear every month, like I get really down and then three or four days in, I'll get my period. And then I'll be like, oh, it was my period making me feel this low. But I seem to forget every month for like however many years. And that I, I've said that to friends and they've said, yeah, that's exactly what happens to me. Is there's something in our brains that just kind of tricks us to think that it's just situational and it's not hormonal. Um, so yeah, but I am trying. I'm trying with my male friends. I like to just throw it in from now and then and just throw them off guard and be like, yeah, I'm having a really heavy period. And then they just like look really uncomfortable drinking their beer. But I think that's important, you know, it's important, isn't it, to try and make people, sometimes you have to get a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely, because, you know, they're 50% of the population and, you know, they, not only they might have, they might have daughters or wives, but, you know, they have moms and all of them at point one, one point will have experienced having a period or will experience having a period. Mm-hmm. But I want to go back to what you said about, um, kind of the hormonal cycle and what you said about this shame because you feel like you need to always always on like this badass entrepreneur I interviewed someone last year and she was talking about how um she she was speaking to another entrepreneur who she was a real shame around having her period because of what you said this feeling like you have to work in a very male way where you're always on like that kind of hustle culture can you just speak a little bit about, you know, the work that you've done with um, female yeah. entrepreneurs and whether you think this is a common theme that you see? Um, I think it, it depends, really. I think for me, one of the reasons that I seem to have only hired an all-female team is because we connect with this stuff loads and we have a culture where we can say, I'm just not feeling great, so I've got my period, can I work from home? And that stuff just so much easier to talk about because we're all women. Um, I, do, I, I think there's two schools of thought with it. I think some women feel like they don't want things like their period to define them and their hormones and they just want to kind of power through, as it were, ignore that it's there, go to work as normal, be a badass, for me, that attitude feels like suppression a little bit. Not that I need to totally give into it, but I just genuinely am not 
willing to put like push through certain emotions sometimes I want to just sit with how I'm actually feeling so I don't really subscribe to the school of thought of like being super strong the whole time um I I try and track my cycle so I know when I'd be more up for certain things I try and plan my schedule in a way that's like gentle and soft for me but that's taken years to kind of hone to get to a place where I actually even understand my body to that extent and Mm -hmm. when I'm kind of on good form and when I'm not so I think it's all about awareness I found um, apps are a really good way of trying to get in touch with what's going on in your body what apps do you use so I'm currently I'm currently using moody month which I used for a while which I really like um but anything I've used clue in the past as well um I think it, it's it's just good do you know what it is I think it's sometimes I felt like I don't really understand when I'm up and when I'm down and I often know when the down bits were because I'd know that around my period a couple of days before I would feel really low sometimes a couple of days after and that bit I would understand but I think the other side I didn't really understand is like when are my hormones up when am I feeling good? I didn't really understand that side of my cycle at all. And now I know that there are certain, like there's a week in particular where I feel really strong. I feel really confident. I just, I just feel good. And that's when, if I have a big meeting, I'll take it. Or if I have a big event, I mean, I've totally ruined it next month because we have our festival over the first two days of my period. And I was like, what am I doing myself? <laughs> but for the most part, I think that that's, that's really healthy. And that's why, that's why Femtech is so amazing because for years, none of this stuff existed that actually allowed women to understand their bodies more. Um, and I want to see more of this kind of these tech solutions to women's health. So you said that using apps like Moody Month helps you understand that kind of full hormonal cycle that happens across the yeah. however long your menstrual cycle is. What you it's changed the way that you plan your your life. What else has it changed? Understanding the kind of flow of your hormones. There's there's certain things that I didn't realize were linked to my hormones that I only realized when I started jotting down like symptoms in in the app. For example, like noise sensitivity and um, it's funny noise sensitivity affects me during my period, which I didn't realize. And I started to write it down, and I realized that it, it was. Um, think like street noise would bug me but then on the other side I also found that during my period I'm really really connected music in a way that I'm not for the rest of the month which is very strange but I get for a week I like constantly want to listen to music when I listen to music I feel really good I feel really connected to it it really moves me and I was like it makes me realize that women are just such like just magical like we're these Mm. magical beings like what is this it's so cool and I remember once I was on my period and I was feeling so low and I was my my boyfriend at the time came over and I was like sitting on my sofa I was so so low and he came over with a bar of lint chocolate and he made me a cup of tea and I got a little bit of lint chocolate and I went and sat on my floor and I dipped my chocolate in my lint. Um, I dipped my, my lint in my tea. The chocolate melted and I had a little bit. And then my face was just like beaming and I was radiating. I was so happy. And he looked at me and he was like, it's unbelievable. Like the way that women from one moment to the next, like your moods can change so much. And he was like, it's really special, but it's just not something I ever experienced. I never experienced that high and that low where obviously I was on my cycle and I was just a bit, you know, a bit crazy in a way. And he was like, it's really quite cool. And I was like, yeah, it is quite cool, but it's also quite crazy that this is what happens to us. And for men, Nick, he was like, I wake up and most days I'm the same. You know, he was day to day. He was the same person, and that's not how I feel. I feel like I'm on an emotional roller coaster most of the time. And, but you seem like you you become quite positive about the changes that happen to you. Yeah, I think so. I think the thing with being on a roller coaster is that you also get these amazing highs, and I think that's sometimes what we forget is yeah, we get PMS and we get really down, but then when our hormones are up, like we feel amazing and. 
I think the thing with periods is it makes you want to connect with your body a bit more. I think it forces you to practice more self-care. It forces you to be kind and gentle, like making myself a hot water bottle, getting my favorite thing on Netflix and like having a cup of tea when I'm on my period. That's an act of self-love. And I don't think I would do those things if it wasn't for my period. So I think being grateful for that is quite nice. That, I love that. I think that that more more women could look at their period like that because I think a, a lot of women they tend to just focus on the week of their period or the few days before their period where things for them aren't great and then they define their menstrual cycle like that and flipping it on its head like you've done is really positive and I love what you said about you know the magic of having of a hormone cycle but I wanted to just also go back to what you were saying about you you the way that your team adapts to having a period yeah um, and you kind of work around your team's period Uh, maybe that's not the best way of putting it working around their periods but you're flexible um you you said that the week you have a week in your menstrual cycle where you feel really strong really powerful does that change do you find that you change the way you relate to your team during that time um, I definitely changed the way I relate to my work in that time. Um, I have to be a bit careful sometimes because it can make me feel kind of so confident that I'll take meetings and I'll walk in and just say yes to stuff that I, a week later I'm like, oh, I can't actually do that. Like, why did I promise that? So I have to be a bit careful with it. I think the thing is, I don't necessarily work around the periods of my team, but we talk really openly about it. And I think just having a culture where I, if I know that they're really tired, like I'm going to go a bit more gentle or... I'll let them work from home. I think that's important. Um, There's there's a fine line, I think, as an employer between like pandering to certain things and being a bit Mm. too pampering and being respectful and understanding of where someone's at. So there's there's a there's a fine line in it. But I think big companies could do a lot more to make women feel comfortable at work and to to encourage I don't know just a happier workplace culture. Like I said about the tampons thing, I think even just an employer being like you have a period and I know that in itself is empowering. Yeah. Having free tampons, menstrual leave, what else do you think employers can do to uh, be more flexible around menstrual health? I think there's a big link between menstrual health and mental health. And I think the whole thing is just about creating a culture of openness and conversation and dialogue. I like never learned how to be a boss and I've just had to work it out in the years that I've run my business. And I think one of the hardest things that I've learned is that you have to have the uncomfortable conversations sometimes and you have to make yourself a bit uncomfortable to get the best out of your employees. So I try as much as I can to sit down individually with them and be like how are you feeling and how is your head and how are you feeling about this work and all these kind of questions that maybe make us a bit uncomfortable like we're British we don't really want to talk about our feelings very much but they <laughs> they are there and they matter and so that that's it's, it's all related for me mental health menstrual health and also a few of the people that work for me do suffer with mental health and they it very much flares up around their periods so for me it's something to keep an eye on okay um with you mentioned the importance of femtech yeah what you said you talked about moody month which is amazing an amazing app uh, what other examples of femtech um have you seen that you think are important to be aware of and um, there's a couple of things that i think are really cool lv is another great brand that lots of people are talking about they have um, a breast pump and they have a pelvic floor trainer um, and they did an incredible raise of investment, which was quite, it was like history making. So LV is another one that I think is really cool. And then I'm seeing lots of new young tampon and sanitary product brands, one called Oni. Um, 
another one called Dame that does CD tampons. I'm seeing quite a lot of innovation in that space. And again, not a conversation that I'd had when I was younger, but I'm starting to realize that we need to look at the quality of the products that we're putting in our bodies. And I just blindly picked up Tampax because that's what everyone did for years and years. And sometimes I still do, but now I'm starting to question, like, is this the best quality product I could be using? And it's like going inside me, like, what am I putting inside me? And I just didn't, I didn't know at all. Um, So that's really important. And then I've got friends who are experimenting a lot more with how um, how they manage their periods. So friends that love moon cups who are using those as a more sustainable option. And I have a friend who free bleeds who uses period underwear because she finds that tampons um, make her period pains a lot worse. So mm. just for her whole cycle, she wears period underwear and free bleeds. Um, but I, I'm like enjoying seeing people try new things and actually because that shows that we're, we're progressing because we're willing to question what we've been doing basically so have you changed the menstrual products that you've used yeah at the moment i'm using dame the cbd okay. tampons um and they also have regular ones as well also because they're like a young startup run by um a woman i just wanted to support an independent brand i was like why am i giving so much money to tampon um there's another great uh, brand called frida that does similar and they have a, a subscription service. Um, for a while I used Pink Parcel, which is, a, I don't know if you know it, but it's a period box delivery company. And every month they would send you things for your period, um, like products, tampons, sanitary pads, etc., as well as things to make you feel good, which I think is quite nice. Hmm. Um, but I, I found that actually, I don't know, sometimes we can play into a bit of a cliche with periods and I don't think necessarily that tea and chocolate is always what we need. It's quite specific. <laughs> so after a while I was like, I would say on the femtech front having hosted so many panel talks about it I think one of the really big issues that I'm seeing is that basically when a lot of women are going to get investment for these kind of companies they're sitting in a room full of men and the VCs and the investors or private equity they don't connect with it they don't get it and then they're not willing to put the investment money forward so I think what's really impressive about LV is they raise a hell of a lot of money you know it gets a lot of difficulty because very often I've heard these anecdotes about men being like oh we just don't really get it because like we don't get what it's for we don't really understand it because they don't have periods they don't understand why you'd need this kind of business so this is a real problem I'm seeing is femtech can't get past a certain stage you know and in the UK 40% of um, female businesses don't get past seed stage after they get investment like they just burn out really early and I think this this is one of the reasons it's like men aren't connecting so we need more female VCs or we need more aware men. There's a big movement in the US where there are really a few really prominent female VCs and I think there's a there's a, a big female-focused female, uh, VC. What do you think needs to happen in the UK for that to take hold over here? I mean, I'd lo- I think it's, it's similar. It, you, we do need more female VC. Um, it's, just all, it's all problematic because, you know, often VCs are people that have started businesses and then sold them and then gone on to be an investor. So we need more women to be starting businesses and they need to be successful in selling, at, you know, at a certain success rate. Um, and it's also a cultural shift. I think usually I found it kind of the cultural shift happens and then the policy shift changes and then you see it kind of reflected 
in the corporate world and, and in policy. So I'm hoping that the more that we talk about it, basically, is the more light that you can share shed on the issue, the, the better the situation will be, I hope. And we are seeing more, I've noticed a lot more um, kind of female-only VC companies popping up. But I mean, women do more crowdfunding for their businesses, probably for this reason. So tell me a little bit about the the festival that you're putting on. Um, you said, when is it? Sure, so it's the 13th and 14th of March. Um, so it's in a couple of weeks' time, and it's a, to celebrate International Women's Day, which is on the 8th of March. And um, we're putting on a two-day festival. It's called She Started It Live. And we have 75 speakers across two days. And it is absolutely everything to do with female empowerment and entrepreneurship. So everything from starting your own business and getting investment to having healthy hormones and healthy relationships. Um, it's just a, a real mix of different things. So I think, for me, female empowerment isn't just looking the world of work it's it's the interrelation between everything like how does our health affect our work and how do we feel about ourselves so it's a mix between kind of intuition and and mind body stuff as well as some practical career know-how what made you decide to set up this festival so we did our first one in september it came out of doing we were doing basically similar stuff but we were spreading it out across a number of weeks but we were doing lots of panel talks about female entrepreneurship and i thought wouldn't it be great just to bring all those panel talks into the one day and um that's what we decided to do so rather than have it spread out um across the season we brought it into the one day and it, you know it wasn't actually different it was just it was something I had mentally had to get over because it, it kind of scared me, to be honest. I was like, putting on a festival felt like a much bigger thing. And then we did our first one, which was one day. And now we're doing our next one, which is two days. So this is how we grow as business people. Um, I just think that it's really important to create physical spaces for women. Like, I love having digital communities. I think it's great that we have Instagram and that we have all these social media platforms to connect with other people. But... I don't think that should be at the cost of the physical. And what I'm trying to do is bring everything back into a physical space because there's something very powerful when you get women together in a room and take it off the internet into the physical space so they can network, they can connect, they can chat, they can make friends. Like, God, making friends in London is hard, you know? <laughs> yeah. Anything that we can do to bring women together and to, to empower them, really. And what have you seen? So you had your first festival in September. What yeah. were the, some of the outcomes that you saw from that festival? I mean, it was amazing. We've had so many women contact us afterwards saying, I launched my own thing off the back of it. It gave me the confidence I needed. We had a lot of people coming who I think were just at that kind of sweet spot of being almost ready, but not quite ready. And then they kind of took the leap having, I don't know, heard from an inspirational speaker or met someone on the day. So we had lots of people contacting us afterwards. But it was also a great opportunity for us as a business to listen to our audience and to learn what it is that they're struggling with, what it is they want to learn about and the barriers in place for them. So one of the things that we're offering at this festival is that we have free childcare for both days. And that came about really from having conversations at the, fe the last festival where women were saying to me, oh, I had this friend that she wanted to come, but she's got a kid and she had long, or uh, I came, but I had to leave my kid with my husband and he's annoyed at me, whatever it is. And I just thought, well, there must be some solution to this. So we really quite easily sorted out childcare for the festival. And I was almost embarrassed by how easy it actually was to sort out. We worked with a great company for providing it for us. Um, and that, that was a big thing. And I realized that this is, this is what needs to happen, basically. The structures change around women so that they're able to progress. There are just these barriers that are stopping women from achieving their, their full potential or even just coming to an event. So you've launched this festival and you launched um, the website in 2014 and the Academy. What are the, some of the lessons that you can share with being a female entrepreneurs who, as you mentioned, are in that, that sweet spot of 
being on the cusp of starting their own business? Look, it's a scary time. And I think that nobody goes into a hundred percent confident. I think that we need to kind of rewrite the rules with business a bit, that the attitude that you're always going to feel totally committed to what you're doing, full of bravado, full of confidence. That's for me, quite a male energy. It isn't how I've done business. I've done the journey and I've been full of self-doubt at times and I've wondered whether it's going to work but you that's what helps you build up your resilience really because you sit with that discomfort and you do it anyway and I think if more women could understand that that is totally normal like I've run a business for six years and I did an interview yesterday where she said do you ever have moments of self-doubt and I was like look running your own business is hour by hour you're flipping between I've got this to oh I don't know if I've got this I've got this oh I don't know if I've got this and that is that is what it is and that's totally fine and everything you're feeling is so valid and is so normal but the thing is is that you don't have to act on it just because you have a moment of panic it doesn't mean the project's not right it doesn't mean it's not working and the other thing I would say especially to women starting businesses is work out what success looks like to you because I think for women it's a, it's a very different set of ideas often and we don't have one single yardstick to measure success and it may be a certain number that you might want to make with your company or a certain amount of employees but it might also be being able to only work three days a week or look after your kids it might be a totally different thing and I think getting rid of some of the structures in place that tell us that this is what success looks like will be really beneficial because I think you have to be gentle with yourself like for me it's being able to do this podcast at home wearing my running kit so I can go for a run afterwards like that for me feels like success because I'm able to look after my schedule and do what makes me feel good so you know be honest with yourself and work out what those values are to I want to go back quickly to what you said about self-doubt and being able to identify it in the moment. What would you say to women who do experience that self-doubt and they actually find that it cripples them? Yeah, it's difficult because I think a healthy amount of self-doubt is good because it makes you question things. It makes you often, you know, push yourself harder and and ask yourself questions, but then you don't want so much self-doubt that you're just unable to do anything. Um, I find often that self-doubt with women is linked to imposter syndrome. So not feeling like what they're doing is valid, feeling like they're a fake or a fraud, that they don't have all the tools in place to do the thing. What I've learned kind of anecdotally with women is that then they often don't want to do things when they don't have everything in place or they don't feel like they've learned all the skills yet. Whereas men will very often just want to throw themselves into something and are quite happy to like learn on the job. And I think that we have to have an element of that of like, I'm going to just figure it out and I know I'm not ready but that's okay and like not you can kind of get too prepared and then you kind of freak yourself out so you know learn about your industry but even if you're trying to do something totally new like I didn't know anything about running a magazine and like I'm six years in and I'm still like learning new stuff but having that attitude of like playful curiosity you're willing to be curious and to just learn and to pick stuff up like that's okay you're not going to have arrived yet you're never going to have arrived playful curiosity I love that yeah and also I think that's important for for what direction you end up taking stuff in because we ended up going down this route of doing festivals that six years ago I had no idea that that's what I would end up doing but it kind of came out of a bit of a curiosity where I was like oh it seems to be that there's not enough conversations happening about what it's like to be a woman in business like we'll put on an event and then we'll put on six events and then we'll turn the event 
event into a festival and we'll turn it into a two-day festival and we're now we have plans for next year to do festivals all over the UK and I think that only happened because I was quite playfully curious so I was like let's follow where this little seed of excitement goes and when we talk about purpose that's I think that's what purpose is is that it's kind of following breadcrumbs a lot of the time rather than waking up and having some lightning bolt that's like this is my purpose in life like now I feel like I have a good sense of what my purpose is I don't even know that a year ago I did so like just being curious and allowing yourself to question and to follow your instincts a little bit you're 29 years old and you've accomplished so much already if you think back to where you were say 10 years ago um or even when you got your period, what would you go back and say to that young Angelica? I think I'd tell her to be a bit more gentle herself. I think I, I wasn't kind enough to myself, and I think I rallied against my body quite a lot. I also had problems with food when I was at university, and I, I went off to university. I was, I was overwhelmed by the experience. I felt far from home, and I, I just didn't eat for a year. And I, I, I wouldn't say I had an eating disorder, but I felt disordered with it, and it felt like something that... I was trying to control to make myself make sense of the world, if that makes sense. And that had an effect on my hormones. Like for, for I think six or seven months, I didn't have my period because I was underweight basically. And I wasn't treating myself with love or respect or kindness at all. And I've now come to really love what my body does. Like when I get my period, I feel grateful for it. I feel thankful that my body's able to have a period. I think going through that experience of getting to a place that I so wasn't caring for myself that my body just didn't have it. Um, it was a wake up call actually of, of what love and nourishment looks like. If listeners take one thing away from what you've said on this podcast, what would you want that to be? I think I'd just like to say that I think you need to be a friend with yourself is that going through life and having a voice in your head that is one of friendship to yourself and of kindness and softness is so beneficial for everything, for work, for relationships. And that's what I'm really trying to do is speak to yourself as you were a friend. That's really lovely. Be a friend to yourself. I think a lot of us really need to take that message on. So where can listeners find out more about you, the festival, the magazine? So they can find out more about the magazine. It's abouttimemagazine.co.uk and we're about time mag on all social media platforms and then the festival is called she starts it live and you can find that on eventbrite great but thank you so much for coming on the show thank you for more inspiring conversations head over to periodstorypod.com where we have so many more for you to peruse if you want help with your menstrual or hormone health email me on hello at eatlovemove.com to set up a free 30-minute hormone health review. If you like today's show, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Tag us, come say hi, and send in your requests for who you'd like to see on the show on Instagram and Twitter on at periodstorypod or email us at hello at periodstorypod.com. I'm Lenny's Brothers, and you've been listening to Period Story. Thank you so much for listening.